to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody. This is Man Up, Man Up Podcast number 132. Hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland. No, once again, we are not in Sugarland. We are at the new Man Up studio, which is between Houston and Sugarland, Texas. So grab globe, spin it around, bang, find Texas. Southeast corner of Texas is Houston. Go down I-59, about halfway between Houston and Sugarland, and that's where we're at. We're at the Man Up Studio in the Arena Theater. And so we're so glad to be here and glad that you're a part of it. This is uh, Man Up. We're spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys, but we're each on this individual spiritual path, and we're so glad that you're joining with us. <clears throat> We just finished up a study on the Ten Commandments, and now what we're getting into is we're getting into a brand new section, and basically this first part uh, boils down to essentially what to believe, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, and I'm here with a great panel and like I said before, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce them not only by what their profession is, but maybe what their interests are. So when you're out there listening, you might identify with one or more of these guys and their points of view. And that's why we we like having this, having this little mixture. So give give a different point of view and tell you a little bit about, if this is your first time, you might have found us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, we have all of our podcasts archived on SoundCloud. We're also on Facebook where you can go ahead and post a question. We'll go ahead and we'll answer it here at the podcast. <clears throat> but what we do is, and, and we're, we're different uh, in the fact that uh, we, we're gonna, we recognize that you're men and men are busy. And time is, especially this time of year in the holiday season, time is a precious commodity. So what we do is we go ahead and we give a overall summary first of what we're going to be talking about because some of these lessons some of these lessons may really speak to you and you, you'll listen to the whole thing. You might even listen to it a couple of times and others will go, "Well, I I'm not really wrestling with this kind of thing." And we understand you got work commitments, you got family commitments, community, maybe church commitments as well. And we understand that. So that's why what we do is we give you a summary up front first. Uh, and then what we do is we just basically go through the scripture, apply it with a little man spin, and just kind of um, just peel it back, kind of like an onion, layer at a time. So we're so glad you're here. My name is Bill Cox, and I'm the host of man up and it's a uh, adult bible fellowship at sugarland baptist church and here we have a awesome panel and uh i want to start out by i'm just going to go around the room and uh, introduce him uh, he is a world-class trainer for a fortune 
100 uh, company. Uh, and he's also kind of a uh, kind of a theologian. We call him the professor. Mr. Robert Koshu is here. And we have an attorney. You can't go anywhere or do anything without an attorney. But he's, also a, but he's also a prosecutor, so he can defend you or he can throw the book at you. We call him the judge. Mr. Michael Cropper is here. Right. And uh, he is a world-class policy writer. You, and uh, he's a bit of a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is here. And my name is Bill Cox, and I'm basically just a salesman. But I've also been a writer and actor, and uh, so I'm, I'm really kind of into this kind of thing. Who is not here who is a regular, and he's uh, basically the class deacon. He's an insurance guy, Mr. Kyle Trahan. Uh, he's, he's out and about making that big buck. So we're going to go ahead, and uh, we've started this brand new. We, we're going from the Connect 360, and this particular booklet is called The Fullness of Christ. And... Um, it's a study of Colossians, and I'm just going to, my basic, very limited overview of this particular, uh, Paul didn't, as far as I know, Paul didn't actually start the church at uh, Colossus. That is and, correct. And, and he also, apparently, the person who did start it, traveled to see Paul. So Paul was really invested in a different way uh, from this church. And, uh, well, well, that's about all I know about the lesson. Go ahead and we'll give an overview and, and start with uh, the professor. So, as everyone may know, this is the first, we just celebrated the first week of Advent. We are in the midst of the Christmas season. And so, as we have told, and I have mentioned multiple times over at this, my absolute favorite scripture for Christmas is John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Colossians is the book that has the most developed what's called Christology, which is the theology surrounding who Jesus Christ is, what Jesus Christ's work was on the cross, and His redemptions of salvation, His offer of salvation. And so it's really one of the most heavily theological books from the point of Christ. And so I thought it was just fantastic that we're starting Colossians at Christmas. Everybody's like, why is it? It's Christmas. Why is it? Right. it actually makes sense. And so we'll talk a little bit more about you know what to believe and how you go on. But that's just kind of my overview that, that it's really going to be the absolute best book to talk about who Jesus Christ is and what his work really means to the world. Excellent. And... Uh, I'm going to go uh, to the judge yet next, but I just want to let, for those of you out there that aren't, aren't able to watch this, even though we, we, we are getting this filmed, um, never call what a lawyer writes a brief. I, I, he, he has got pages and pages of stuff. He is not brief. <laughs> he is not, that's one thing he's not. He is not brief. <laughs> Judge. Yeah, yes, a brief is not really brief. Right, right. <laughs> right. It, it's extenuating and it's uh, it's very long and, and ridiculous. And, and usually we don't get through any of it. Or, 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Hi, right, folks. Uh, uh, it's good to be here. Yes, we are talking about Colossians, which I did not particularly care about first because it is doctrinal teaching and it can be boring unless you 
make it lively, like lively, like we're planning to do. Uh, the, the first part of the lesson, that, or the first lesson we're doing, we're actually going to do two lessons a night. Right. We're planning right. on it anyway if we can get to lesson two. Uh, the first part of this lesson is Colossians one one through eight. If you want to join us, if you want to pick up a Bible and look at it, and it has to do with Paul uh, addressing a letter to the Colossians with Timothy. He mentions Timothy. And the first part of the letter identifies their reputation. Their reputation is really good, folks. It's faith, hope, and love, he says. He says, I have heard all about your faith. Now, why would he mention he's heard about it? Because he, he did not start this church, just as Bill right, said. Right, right, right. Um, a friend of his, Epaphras, which you may find and hear in a couple of the other uh, gospel uh, gospels, uh, Epaphras is mentioned by Paul, maybe in Acts or Romans, but... But he uh, he loves the Lord, and he started the church in Colossae. Now, the reason Paul gets involved in this and sends a letter to him is because there's some heresy that's crept into the church. Some uh, persons are starting to preach and, and starting to teach with the Colossians that Christ, in fact, is not the Christ. Pardon me, that Jesus is not the Christ, but in fact, uh, he's he's an emanation or a, a, a an image of God but not truly in the flesh. He's not gone in the flesh. Uh, Bill's looking at my puzzle, so I'm, I'm reading from here about right, four lines right. down on the first introduction from the uh, author. So Paul writes a letter to them to help set them straight on who Christ really is, and that's why we will really touch on the doctrine. We'll go into it in depth. And, um, and then this first part, uh, part, again, is on faith, hope, and love. And the author wants us to look at how do we exhibit faith, open love in our our lives in a very practical manner? Right, right. Excellent, excellent. Mr. Steve Titch. Well, we're in contrast to the two Corinthians letters, which we studied last year. And this, as Mike said, this is a congregation that's uh, a little more mature. And so is Paul at this point. It's now, it's, it's about AD 60 to 62 is when they think this letter was written. Uh... Corinthians was written around A.D. 55, so this is five years later, and so there's definitely been more development. Now, Paul is in Rome. He's, the, the, the things... That, when he's under arrest. Yes, to read, to yeah, he, is yeah. giving, he is giving a First lot of this encouragement to the, to the Colossians. Uh, he is under house arrest, um, and uh, while it's not being in prison, I'm sure it's not very pleasant for him because he's, he's a still a prisoner. And what we have here, uh, again, the overview is the, is the idea of faith, hope, and love. The Christology, in, and here perhaps, uh, perhaps the only other place it's as, as strong as in Romans, which is, is even a little more dense, much more dense than, than this letter, is that there's no, it's not Christ plus. It's Jesus Christ, uh, the, the Savior, the King, uh, and faith. It's not. It's not Christ plus. Uh, it's full. It's fully man, fully divine, and he he's going to take on several of the heresies that do uh, creep in and have creeped in at this point. Gnosticism, especially. Um, we'll talk about that, I guess, over the course of the coming weeks. Also, also today we'll be talking about prayer because because in addition, after after his salutation, Paul writes of a prayer. He is is saying prayers. He is saying. He's, he wasn't it just once. Uh, for the Colossian Church, and we'll talk about that as well. Can you tell us, right, what, what is Gnosticism? 
before we get started. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how much. Uh, I'm well, not, and this well, isn't. I, I, I okay, I'll go briefly. Yeah. Hang on. Okay, go so ahead. So this isn't true Gnosticism all the way. This is probably, best way to describe it is a necessary form of Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of where Gnosticism is taking its roots. Gnosticism mm-hmm. was actually, when I'm going to let Steve describe it, but mm-hmm. it was actually after the Marcion heresy, which was another one very similar to it, it was probably the, one of the greatest threats to the early church. Once they got past the whole Judaizer versus Gentile, once they got over that hurdle with the council in mm-hmm. Jerusalem, Gnosticism then formed probably the greatest threat to it. And so, Steve, go ahead and describe yeah, it. Well, actually, that totally confused way. me, so we'll go ahead. I'll, I'll do it briefly because I think in later weeks we'll get to talk more about it in depth. Uh, that will go in It's, it's yep. simply the idea that uh, Jesus Christ, the, the teaching about this time and, and into that early, latter part of the first century, was not really human. He was kind of a godlike creature who, who was who maybe took the form of, of a human being, but he was still above and not not truly not truly human. I don't want to, you know, it's, it's complex stuff. I don't want to say it was corporeal, but the fact is, in the Gospels, we know he ate, slept, got tired, got cranky, uh, and um, also that, that, he was, that he was a man, he was a human being. And Paul's going to reiterate this throughout, but that's essentially the Gnosticism teaching basically said, no, it was all divinity all the time. Right. But am I right on that? Yeah. All right, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and I'll just quickly read the the scripture, which is uh, Colossians 1, uh, 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and the love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So some geography and a little history. It kind of helps a little bit sometimes. Um, So Colossia... If you want to put it in contemporary terms, Colossia is Detroit, Michigan in the United States right now. It was a glorious, grand economic epicenter of a country about 200 years before (coughs) Colossians was written. And then it fell off. And so just to kind of give you a little geography to think about, it kind of, it was eclipsed by other cities in the area. So this is a church that's not in an economic depressed area per se, but it's really a church that is in an area that has seen better days for, for, as a good way to look at it. And so that's one reason why it's attracting a little bit of attention as far as, as you mentioned, Bill, and I think Steve reiterated, you know, Paul didn't, Paul didn't actually start this church. This was kind of unusual for Paul. It's not a church he started. So he's written to it, and now he's talking about it as he goes through. 
judge. All right. So what do we what? How do we exercise faith? <coughs> Part my apologies there. Okay, Paul addresses faith, hope, and love, and uh, faith and, and love, and he says that they spring from hope. Uh, the faith that the author brings to our attention that we are to exercise in a practical matter is, is that we uh, we exercise faith and we show it by doing things. The type of faith that the author wants us to use in a practical manner is to use the example. Of course, all of us know that a missionary will go to field or go to a uh, an area or a destination many times where the conditions are very hard and very difficult. And the author asks us about this. He says the word, the Greek word for faith is pistis. It is a combination of belief, trust, and loyalty. And the, pardon me, your faith must be so great that you will act upon it. And and then the author in this one, in introducing this particular lesson, wants us to look at our own faith and say, how far will you go with your faith? What are you using your faith for? And of course, the faith there is in Jesus Christ. The second thing he addresses is love. And biblical love is more than just emotion, he says. It's not just a sentiment, but it is action. Again, like what you do with faith. And he says love is more than wishing somebody that they're to do well or that they're doing good and wishing that everything's going well for them. It's taking the burden of caring for or a person's well-being. The example he gives in love there is a husband take care of his wife when she can't move, she can't get out of bed, she's so ill that uh, that she can't do anything. And he's helping her, he's staying with her, and he's showing her love. In other words, it, it is an act, a clear act, where you don't expect something to be given back to you or returned to you. And and we've talked about this, giving give money and Bill, you've uh, shared with us how you go to Loaves and Fishes on Fridays. Right. It's an act where you give yourself. Not that you just give money, but you give of yourself and you spend time. So that type of love, that's a bit of biblical love. And then the third thing uh, the author touches on is the truth of Christ. No, pardon me, the, the hope on which we place our lives and which causes us to walk in faith and hope. And the author here again addresses this. He says, uh, hope is something built through the problematic experience each follower of Jesus endures. And not only this, but we also exult or we lift up or we glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance. But I believe the scripture says tribulations brings, brings uh, patience and forbearance. But anyway, he, he says, that tribulation will bring about perseverance, and perseverance brings proven character, and proven character, hope. And then he mentions to us, uh, uh, for I know the plans that you have, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And, and what I, my, my picture of hope here is that we live for hope. We live for tomorrow. As Christians, in everything we do, we live believing that something will be better tomorrow, that we can help somebody, we can do good, we will have joy. It's what the hope of Christ lives in us such that, that it makes our life positive, that we see things in a very, very positive manner, and the reason we live is for hope. Such as if I, I was sick a, a couple of weeks ago with a bronch, 
bronchial infection. And when you're in the middle of that, you're not so sure you can see the end of it. it you just feel each day and each minute that, uh, that you're stuck there. But the hope in Christ in me gives me a positive attitude toward dealing with it. Mr. Steve Titch. Well, there's a, there's a whole feeling of positivity with the letter. And there's something to be said for mentoring here. Because uh, we always look for that. Because, again, I'm going to bring back uh, uh, Corinthians. Corinthians, the Corinthian church was a mess. And uh, Paul, it was, Paul was angry by it. I think, he, he, I think when he did, he, he bypassed it on a return trip. Right, right, right. And then wrote the letter. And what, but if you look at the beginning of Corinthians, he's, th th this is a case where the Corinthians were at halftime. They were losing, and they were making a lot of mistakes, fumbles. Missed, uh, missed assignments, and so Paul really comes at them from really chapter 2 on. This is, this is a problem here that you've got to fix, and I'll help you fix it, but he, he, he scolds them. Uh, Colossians is having some problems, uh, but he starts out very, it's, it's, it's not the types of problems they're having in Corinth, it's more of some issues with doctrine which he's going to get into, but he starts out with a saying, you guys are on the right track. It's, it's the type of mentoring that uh, you're doing a great job, but there's places you can improve. And, I mean, he gives some very nice compliments in here. He says, I've heard great things about you. Uh, and that, uh, that the uh, uh, church is growing, uh, that you're producing fruit and growing, which is, a very, which is exactly what they're there to do, which is a very good compliment coming from Paul. And Paul doesn't really know everyone there personally the way he might have known Many of the members of the Corinth church, you know, as a Pephras. But so this is, this is also, so this is coming from even a guy who, you know, the church there has heard about. And boy, you know, we're, we're impressing, we're impressing Paul himself. And so he begins with, with boosting them up a little bit, talking about the faith they have, the hope, the love, how it's being, how, how it's translating into actual uh, spreading of the gospel and of God's kingdom. And then he's going to talk about some of the more, um, issues that he has. Right, and you know what, that is a really good point. And, and the way you so, tied so it into... So this is the halftime when you're winning. So I'm right. going to say, all right, sharpen up, sharpen up, and keep going. Well, and, and I'm going to comment in real quick. That's actually a really good, if you're into coaching, not coaching for sports, but coaching, mentoring, be as a leader, helping your people, that's actually a really good lesson. You always got to deliver bad news. I'm going to give you some good news, and I'm going to tell you the bad news. Then I'm going to give you some more good news on the back end. So he's actually following really good leadership. Imagine that. Paul following really good leadership principles here as he's moving in because he's actually building them up as he moves as he starts off here. But also think about it in from a mentoring perspective uh, and throw in the responsibility. He's not even really responsible for this church. Whereas he probably feels a lot more responsible uh, for the for the others, as opposed with this, he didn't start. He didn't start this church. He just heard about it, and he's wow. I mean, you you folks are are, are doing well for me not starting you. Whereas it, the ones he actually started, he's he's spanking them a, a little bit harder. And, and 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 that's the thing about and kind of like like being a parent. You're a lot easier, a fair amount of you are, 
uh, on other people's kids as opposed with <laughs> what you expect from your own well because so you're directly uh, responsible for them one of what one of what my reading I read where Paul Paul is semi considered the grandfather of this church that while he didn't start it one of his other followers did start it right, and so right. you know why do you call them grandkids and grandparents because they're grand and they can do no wrong <laughs> to an extent right right but in faith hope and love uh, and when uh, the judge was talking about that. I was just just reminded that uh, the big part to me about uh, this faith walk is affecting the people that you just run into on the way, making their life better. And it, it, you, you can't necessarily change their circumstances. But you, you can certainly change the way that they feel about them by coming alongside of them, mentoring them, you know, giving them encouragement, telling them, you know, having faith and, and hope for a better day. And may, maybe today will be better. The circumstances might, might be the same, but it's the way that you think about it and what other people think that may change that way of thinking for you and just and just give you a, a better attitude and that better attitude will help equip you for the other things that come up in that day. You know, there, there's something a little, also, it's not, I wouldn't even call it subtle. Um, he most likely sent this letter back with Epiphas. Epiphas came to see him in Rome uh, and told him everything that's going on. So Paul and Timothy wrote the letter and he sends it back with Epiphas. And at the end, at, at, the, uh, at verses 7 and 8, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, remember, he wants to get the church back to uh, following the, the, the correct precepts here, the correct beliefs. Uh, so he says how well they're doing and punctuates it by saying, you're doing it because you're doing everything my, my friend and fellow Christian Epiphas told you to do. Uh, and you saw you you've got that grace since day one. Uh, I'm gonna look. He, he basically you learned it from Epiphas, our dear fellow servant, who a faithful minister to you know, on behalf, and who's also told us of your love of the Spirit. Just you know he goes right. Just as the day you heard it and understood uh, understood God's grace in all its truth. Basically he's saying the the moment you uh, you you took the gift of grace. That's that's when your sanctification started. Now he's going to get he's this is his intro, so he's going to begin to talk about that. But again, he's tying that good work they're doing, all all the the expansion of the church to the fact they're they're following that first basic instruction they got, what Epiphas and Paul basically passed on to them. Another comment about oh, you want to go ahead and, and well, and with that we're going to go ahead and uh, take a hard break. This is the Man Up Man Up podcast. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. 
Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up. Man Up Spiritual Oasis for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. This is podcast number 132. You can find us on iHeartRadio. We're also on iTunes. All of our podcasts are archived on SoundCloud. And we have a website, which is man-upspiritualoasis.com. And you can leave us a question either on the website or on our Facebook page, which is man up We're going to go ahead and finish up with the judge's comment, and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump into the lesson number two. And uh, we are in starting a brand new study, and we are in Colossians. Just a couple more comments about faith, folks. Faith often is serving the Lord by doing the daily routine things that you do every day. Doing what you know to be right, doing uh, taking care of your family, uh, doing your chores without griping, having a, the best attitude you can in whatever you do, even when you're you're not happy about the situation. But it's also sometimes, if if you're you're sick or your family rejects Christ, and which my 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 dad did when I when I accepted him, it still don't let that you throw off, throw you off the past path of Christ. Keep reading the Bible, keep attending church. And one of the fellows made a comment a while ago that's extremely important, and that's simply seek some of your friends' advice. Seek advice on how to handle situations if you get in a situation that's very difficult. And that's walking in faith, folks. Excellent. And we're going to move right into the uh, the second lesson. Uh, this is basically Paul's prayer, and this was Colossians 1. 9 through 14 is the uh, background scripture we're going to be looking at. It's kind of like, uh, and it's it's really is an extension on you know what what to believe, and the main question on in this particular study is you know how can I experience a fulfilled life in this physical world as well as the spiritual, and we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to uh, just unwrap that. I'm going to start by. Uh, uh, going around the room and get a basic overview. Start with Mr. Steve Titch this time. Um, prayer is not passive. And that's what Paul's going to show us here. And not necessarily without reason, but the culture now lately has begun to demean the sentiment of thoughts and prayers. And I will say it at some point has become, especially among politicians, a throwaway which is unfortunate because I think when, when true believers express that thought, they really mean it. Uh, and prayer is, is something earnest, and it requires energy and purpose. It's not, it's, not, it's not simply the least someone can do. And I think both, I, I think sometimes we as Christians have to really begin to, 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 to understand that discipline and and embrace it better, and how to become better prayers, and say better prayers. I'll, I'll talk a little about that as we move on. But that's that, I think, is one big takeaway here, that to Paul, prayer is not something you just do because you can't do anything else. 
Oh, yeah, it's not the last resort. <laughs> I get that. I get that. <laughs> or, or it's, right. It shouldn't be or, it, right. It it the first be. resort. Right, right. Uh, Judge. Yeah, Colossians, folks, we're in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. If you do have your Bible there and you're reading along with us, and, and uh, Bill will be reading that in just a few moments. And Steve is very right. This is a prayer. Uh, Paul, however... It's more than just a prayer. He uses a bunch of superlatives and adjectives and things that, that make me wonder, did he, does he have ADD? Because he starts <laughs> right. off the first right. line and he says, I pray that you know God's will. And we might talk about that a little bit in some of the prayer we're talking. Practically knowing God's will is very important to us folks. And uh, Paul will say that in the first line. Then he comes back uh, and mentions just about every other other uh, uh, colorful, a colorful idea or, or attributes he can he can speak about God in the uh, the prayer itself. But um, anyway, the, the the great part here is that, that uh, he does ask and he prays that they know God's will, perfect will for their lives through knowledge, spiritual wisdom, and spiritual understanding. Excellent, uh, Professor. Uh, it's not about just about prayer. It's um, you'll read in a moment spiritual wisdom and understanding. And with that comes, how do you practically live your life for Christ? Not just have a bunch of knowledge about the scripture and be able to study and know all that, but how do you go out and live your life day to day at your job, at school, with your family, with your right. spouse? Right. <laughs> how do you do that? That's what this is going to start talking about. Well, you know, this was kind of convicting to me because uh, as I, because we, we did this lesson last week, uh, and I've always envisioned myself on the spiritual journey, uh, being the the wanderer, um, and uh, but the thing about it is, yes, you're on this faith journey, but you need to be a student along the way to be better at this journey and and that that's what kind of convicted me about this particular lesson so i'm going to go ahead and read the uh scripture real quick this is colossians 1 9 through 14. for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you and asking god to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joy of, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Living a life worthy of Christ, Robert, is his will for your life. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It is. You totally. separated. I would say it's part totally. of it. I would say it's very yeah. much part yeah. of the will. Well, will and, and, he has and for us the, the author actually talks about that. If we know God's general will, act justly, love mercy. Absolutely. Walk humbly before the Lord, love Him and our neighbors, and then make disciples of all nations. That's kind of the general overall will of God in everything we're called to do as Christians and how we're called to behave. And you start with that, 
and then you start getting more granular as you get into it. Right. You yeah. know. Well, I, I will even go further back to that, more basic than that. To to do the will of the Lord, first you have to accept Christ as Savior. Like, right. 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 Because I attended church. I was in a Baptist church for 19 years before I gave my life to the Lord, and mm-hmm. I kept avoiding it, and uh, I, because I thought if I give my life to Christ. There goes all the freedom and fun. But <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Isn't it true, guys? Yeah. And, and before I accepted, or, or, and, and of course, Steve, you chose to, to seek, uh, seek a deeper walk with Christ, right? But anyway, you have to accept him as Savior. You have to accept that he died on the cross for your sins, and you have to turn and follow his teachings. That's being a disciple, practically speaking. There's a lot more details about that, which we're going to probably touch yeah. on. Steve. It takes practice. I, I am not the best praying person. Um, I, I kind of being Catholic, you grow up and you just, prayers are written for you. So I, you know, you know, and, and, and to this day I still sometimes, well, I, we don't, we don't do it in Baptist, but in the, in the, uh, in the Protestant church, uh, in the Presbyterian church, there was a, there was a time at the beginning of the service to silently confess your sins. And sometimes I would just say the old Catholic act of contrition. Um, which I'm sure many Catholics out there will be able to respond right in their, right in their mind, right in their heart, right. Uh, or you know the the Hail Marys and the and the um, Our Fathers, of course, uh, which is a common to almost all all faiths, uh, all, all Christian faiths. Uh, but you know this uh, putting your putting your prayers into words, your the, the petitions, your praise, your 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 thanksgiving, uh, your Prayers like for other people is is takes practice. I think it's sometimes hard to do. I will I will admit I'm not the best person to do it. But uh, again, that's why it it it's it. I think, but that's what it's all about. It's basically, in some ways, it's it's putting God and Jesus right before you. It's literally it is literally talking to more surrendering to that presence. Uh, there, what's ironic, and I was talking about this in my own class. There are there are loads. There, there's loads of time during the day when you can do this. Um, when you're sitting for waiting for a red light to change, especially a left turn arrow. I, I, I'm of the funniest one I came up with is when your Windows is rebooting for five minutes. <laughs> right, right. That yeah. never happens. And rather, and no, rather, rather than rather than, <laughs> rather than worrying about all you know, what well, I was doing, um, you you just take and use that as a moment to center yourself. And and remember, and maybe sometimes, when the day starts, to write down your your prayers or your thoughts, and then at that point pull them out. Um, the uh, one of the members of our class uh, said at the end of the day, uh, she just thanked God. Didn't ask for anything. She said that she actually probably maybe in some ways takes that that scripture of the tomorrow will worry about itself. Uh, it takes it to heart at that point. But just just as just goes through her mind for the day she was that throughout the day that she was grateful for things that happened, even if they were really small, if it was a bad day. But nonetheless, it said it clears her her mind and 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 settles her down and you know takes the worries away. Uh, and you know it's and to me it's not just you know um, an exercise in meditation. It's a, my prayers are not a a substitute for a mantra that that's practiced in meditation. Not meditation. I mean, this is definitely a spiritual experience. 
Yeah, meditation is about, when you look at meditation versus prayer, mm-hmm. meditation is about emptying yourself. Right, clearing yourself prayer. out. Right. Christians meditate. The difference is we empty ourselves so that we can fill ourselves right. with God's Holy Spirit. When We talk to the youth a lot about how to pray because, you know, they're young and they're developing their faith. And we always use an, an acronym with them, ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Praise God for Who He Is, Creator of Heaven and Earth, Confession, thank T, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. For thanking him. And then lastly is S, supplication, praying for yourself and praying for others. And that's something we always just kind of that's teach good. people. And that's just a great way to remember. ACTS. ACTS. Adoration, confession, Absolutely. thanksgiving, Absolutely. and supplication. Absolutely. You know, just a real yes. simple way to do it. But the, the other thing, and I'm glad Steve mentioned this, is is that centering yourself in doing right. that. And, and having that, you know, having, you know, there's the daily prayer. There's the 911 prayers. You know, there's the prayers that you have at different times. You know, I'm, I, I've been at a sword in my prayer life this week because we put our Christmas tree up. And that means my recliner went to the uh, study. So I can't sit uh, in my recliner. When I'm but I mean, yeah, but that, that's my morning, my morning ritual is get everything ready to go to work and then sit and have my quiet time in my recliner. And so I've kind of had to adjust a little bit. Don't you go to sleep when you do that? Right. I don't lean back. Right. right. <laughs> For that you very know, reason. You, you know, we, when, when I first gave my life to the Lord, you read and hear about these people that can pray for hours. Right. right. I tried right. that. I tried that. And you know, you've got to be cut out for that because I got many great naps when I tried to do that. Right. I, could, I don't know that I could even get 15 minutes in. I go down a prayer list and go real fast. So, look, uh, folks, if you, if you think, oh, I've got to pray and I've got to pray for long periods of time, Ask the Lord to show you, and if you can't make those long periods, do not feel guilty. I'm that's with you. A, that, that's a spiritual gift, and, and yeah. even at church, yeah. right. even at it church, is. there, there's one of our one of our ministries is is during the service rather than go to service. There'll be church members who uh, I think they're in the groom's room, mm-hmm. um, and they will spend the service saying prayers. Um, right. But but there's a good example in in Book of Nehemiah. Uh, of the app of the opposite, and Nehemiah, of course, was was a, was a man's man. He was an architect, builder. He was he was really supervising the, the rebuilding of the temple after the Babylonian exile. And you know, he'd shoot what what I guess one of my pastors once called arrow prayers, because in, in Nehemiah, he's always kind of shooting a quick prayer to God <laughs> while this right. whole project is is under his under his uh, supervision. So he did. He wasn't the type of guy who who spent a lot of time, like you know, spending right. hours. But he right. can maintain this relationship even on the even on the job, quite literally on the job. I uh, no, that's good. Uh, I had a Sunday school teacher. It was at Shirley Baptist. I I've had some awesome Sunday school <laughs> teachers, and uh, this guy. I'll. I'll Call him George because well that was his name that George, was his name. and uh, <laughs> and he believed in praying with passion. See, my grandparents were Mennonites. My parents were Methodists, but I, I typically went to both churches. But I really loved being with the with the uh, Mennonites. And you pray reverently, you know. He believed in praying with passion, and there's there was times that he would be literally shouting his prayers and i that was pretty uncomfortable for me <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying i mean i'm not sure god wants to be challenged like that you know and and uh ref, just as part of a reflex i was pushing my chair 
next to the wall. I don't know, I expected a lightning bolt to come through the door and strike him dead or whatever, but I, I guess you have to find your own way of expression. And, and, that, and that, in a way, develops your relationship. How you talk, how you talk to God, that, that communication that you have. And there were times when I've tried to, uh, to pray like that because he wanted us to, to do it. I could never do it well. You know, I, I, I would, you know, I would try and raise my voice a little bit and end my prayer by saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I just couldn't do it. That's just, but that's just not my way. Yeah, that's just not my way. I've, I've, I've prayed before. Well, I blew that again, Lord. Right, <laughs> I blew it. Well, right, right, right. I mean, and and that is your, you're developing your own, and by the and the more you do it, it's just like you know, like driving a car. Yeah. You know, you you get used to it, and you you develop your your own. Uh, you, the the lane that you use, uh, you know, for your for your prayer and everything. And one other thing that I wanted that I really thought about this lesson um, is about look for open and closed doors. Uh, I like that. I, I like that part a lot, and because I'm one of the worst ones at that. I was in Sunday school as a consumer for 40 years before I got promoted to teacher. And, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I probably should have volunteered long ago, but I never looked for that door. And then, and because of that, I never got to apply the other talents that I had that I developed from the other things that I've done. And, and I, and I think it's so much more rewarding and so much of the time that we, we feel consumers of religion and faith as opposed with you go through an open door and accept the opportunity. You immediately become a mentor and mentors, uh, when you mentor someone, you actually learn as much or more than they do. It, it, it's funny, um, we held a, a certification talk yesterday at ATD. It's Employee Learning Week, and so we're kind of doing different events throughout the week. And we did one yesterday at a thing, and at the end of it, the guy whose company hosted the event that we had came up to me and said, hey, I want to host this next year when y'all are doing this certification class, and I volunteer to teach be, teach one of them because... I'm going to go get the certification, and the only way I'm going to learn to get it is by teaching it. Right. So, and that—I that, right. mean—that is just such a awesome way of putting. You do you learn so much more about teaching because you have to apply. The other two that I like, and there's this long bullet point list in our book here, right. and there were two others that I like. I love the open door. The other two I like, and I want to talk about it because a little bit, just because it's a man thing. Avoid the desires of the world and allow God to renew your way of thinking through Scripture. Romans twelve two. And then um, remove the obstacles of sin and persevere through what God has already shown you, Hebrews 12, 21. And, and I mention those two because we are in the post-Christian world. We never were in a Christian world, but Christianity's influence on the culture was such that it was generally accepted that you would get up and go to church on Sunday. Right, right. And things were closed on Sunday, and women wore clothing that 
covered the majority of their body. And now we're not in that world anymore. And if you get up and go to church on Sunday, you're the oddball in your neighborhood more than likely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we won't even discuss how women dress. I just don't want to have that conversation with people. But it suffice to say that there are multiple temptations out there that were not there when we were growing up. We're all on the other side of 30. Right, right. So, you know, those temptations aren't there. And so from a man's perspective, it's really important for us, I think, to really guard ourselves. Right. As we're getting down to the end of this podcast, uh, it's been great. And I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this study. And we're so glad that uh, you're here with us. I'm going to go ahead and go around the room one more time and get some final thoughts and summaries and, you know, of lesson both one and two. And before we start, I just, uh, faith, hope, and love. There's so little of that. There's so little of that uh, in this life. And that it, if you strive for that in your life, you will be different. You'll be different in the way you are, and you'll be perceived differently in the people that you interact with. I'm going to go ahead and get a summary from the, the rest of the fellas and uh, start out with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Um. It's a, it's a good beginning to this. We're going on a deep dive. Uh, Colossians is only four chapters, and it takes up about four pages in my uh, Bible. Doesn't, it's, it's a short letter, and we're going pretty much uh, uh, almost verse by verse, which is going to be fun. Uh, and, I'm, and I like the you know, I like places it takes us. We, we had a, I think we had to hear a good discussion about prayer. Uh, there's more to come. What can I say? <laughs> right. Uh, judge. Yes. Uh, a couple of things to re reiterate uh, things that Robert, Steve said, and uh, of course Bill. Uh, what, how do you find the Lord's will for your life? Well, you do His general will. And I believe uh, Steve Steve told us what that, the basic will, what that Steve says, uh, uh, was, act just like, is Robert. Robert, Robert Micah. Okay. Let's Micah give credit where credit is right, due. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, love, mercy, walk humbly before the Lord, uh, act justly, love Him, love our neighbors, uh, Share the gospel, um, then that will start you on the path to finding God's will for your life. And the next things you do are typical things you should do as a Christian. Whether you feel great about it or not, don't go by what you feel. Do go by what you know to do. And a couple of those things have already been touched on, but I'm going to repeat a couple of other things. Uh, and that's simply you must spend time with God. The guys have talked about that. Uh, you might do it through Bible study, you might do it through prayer. Uh, whether you pray a long prayer or not is something that you're going to develop with God, how you seek Him and know Him. Uh, I, one of the guys said, avoid the desires of the world. In other words, avoid sin uh, uh, wherever you can with your life. And if you have trouble avoiding it, ask the Lord to help you with that. And then if, and not only that, but one of the other recommendations I say is, uh, and the author again points this out, is that's ad, ask advice from godly leaders and mentors around you, maybe even your uncles or your grandfather. Uh, like Bill mentioned, they were special in his life. 
that helped him and, and, and guided him to serve Christ, made him enjoy the Midnight Church and the, and the Methodist Church he grew in. So it, it, some of the boring stuff is be obedient to what you know to do that is right. And God will reveal additional steps. And then finally, uh, God's will is for us to know him. If you don't know anything else, he wills that we know him. He wants to know him intimately. He says, I have drawn you with unfailing love, kindness. Jeremiah 31.3 Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. He knows each of us by name. You are mine, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. This is God speaking to us through, Jer through Isaiah also. And then finally, folks, on your mind, and, and keep your mind as pure as you can possibly keep it. Uh, whatsoever, and the things that you want to dwell on, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. Excellent. Professor? Yeah, it's the, it is, as I mentioned in the beginning, it is the Advent season. Um, not the Christmas season, it is Advent. Advent is the revealing. Um, historically, it's a time in the church for you to slow down and take a look at yourself as Christ prepares to enter the world. As we're starting to look at Colossians and looking at what that entry into the world really means at the end of the day, take time during Christmas, during this season. I want to encourage everybody, don't be conformed to what the world is telling you Christmas is all about, but instead... Remember what it is all about, the fact that God himself came down and became a full man in every sense of the world, were to be a part and to give us redemption. And so wrap it up, and we're going to head that way. Excellent. And this is Man Up. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Man Up podcast, podcast number 132. So glad that you joined us. If you're ever in the Sugarland area, please stop in Sugarland Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. But also, we want to encourage each and every one of you to join an adult Bible-based church and find one that's local. Why local? So you'll go. You're going to find us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, all of our podcasts are on SoundCloud, we have a website, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com. And you can even post questions on either that or on our Facebook page that is at man-up. And when you join that a Bible-based church, get involved in a small group so you can go ahead and dig into the scriptures like, like we do here and apply it to yourself and, and just help yourself as you go through this this faith walk that you have and find one that is for men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.